Welcome to Thrive with Confidence. This podcast provides insight into the Aquios Alliance, a buying group that connects private practices with trusted vendors and expert support. We will feature discussion with our vendor partners and optometrist members while we explore topics that will empower your independence. Welcome to a new episode of Thrive with Confidence. Rick Gannott here with Tim Merrigan of Aquios Advisors as our guest speaker today. We're going to talk to you a little bit about developing and creating your CV because your CV is your first impression. Tim, you know, over the years, you've worked with a lot of doctors and you've seen a lot of doctors send their CVs to you and uh, it tells a story. You know, one of the first things I'm going to ask you, is it necessary on a CV to have a cover letter attend it or accompany it would be the better word to use. I think a lot of times when you look at CVs, when you when you look at even, you know, for those that maybe are, are listening and, and doing resumes, I think a cover letter is important. I think it allows you at that point in time to tell the story about you. For the students coming out that's doing their CVs for the first time, for doctors that are putting CVs out there because they're looking for a new career. I think it's important to have a cover letter because it allows you to tell you what you've done. Talk about your experience, but more importantly, what you can do to help that practice you're going to be a part of. This isn't just going to benefit you know, doctors that are out there necessarily looking for a new career, but also a student maybe in their second, third, fourth year to start shopping their resume. And to your point with the cover letter, would the cover letter be started in your second year, third year of optometry school, or would you wait until you get to fourth year to develop that, to be able to tell more about their experience as well? I would say, you know, towards the end of your second year, start writing your cover letter, but also start doing your CV because, you know, when you get to that fourth year and all of a sudden now you've got, my goodness, you've got tests to worry about, boards to worry about. Finding that play, you know, you're going to forget something. But if you start that into that second year, start talking about what you've done um, and, and what you're wanting to do as you get out of school, I think it's going to be a lot easier for you. So, so the CV is going to be pretty much the same document you use for whether you're going to apply to an ophthalmology clinic, mm-hmm. uh, to a VA, to a commercial setting, to a private location. But it's It's really what I'm getting from you already is kind of that cover letter is what's going to differentiate and maybe make you stand out to all the other hundreds of CVs coming in from other all the other candidates for this position that might make you be the candidate that people pick out. Right. Because let's be honest, some people won't even submit cover letters. They might try to do it in the little objective box or, you know, or summarize summary box right there at the first part of the of the CV. I think, you know, if you take the time, it shows you're taking the initiative, one, to research maybe a little bit about where you're wanting to go, what you're wanting to do. It shows that you take initiative. And two, it shows that you're given a little bit more than what the other average person would because there's going to be probably quite a few. Uh, and you know this as you look at CVs all the time. How many really have a cover letter? Very few. Very few. Very few. So. But wouldn't it be great if you were applying for a great position in, in Juneau, Alaska, to say you love the outdoors? This is why this is the right fit for you to send this to Mike Bennett, the owner and doctor who wants to sell his practice in Alaska to a, the right doctor. 
wouldn't that really help him go, wow, this person really understands Alaska and it's going to be a great fit for his patients and his team that's there that he wants to pass this on to. Right. And I think it's a, I think it's, it's a great way to, to sell yourself for, or at least introduce yourself to that practice. Because again, you want, you don't want to want the beach and the ocean and end up in, in Alaska. You don't want to be in the cold if you like the southern sun. I mean, so, you know, look to where you're going and then tell them, here's why I would be a good fit for your area. So an interesting thing. Over the past 30 minutes, you and I spent time looking over, what, seven, eight different CVs mm-hmm. right here? Yep. Okay. Any of them stand out to you? Without saying names, of course. One. One. And what made that one stand out the most? Uh, because it was crisp. It was clean. It wasn't cluttered. It was okay. easy to read. You know, years ago, someone used the term clean sight lines. And I always wondered, you know, what, you know, and I, and I use it now a lot. And I wish mm-hmm. I would have started that phrase. But, you know, clean sight lines, when you look at something, does it look crisp? Does it look clean? Or does it look jumbled and cluttered up? The one that really stuck out to me had clean sight lines. It was not real long. You know, I'll be honest, if you get one that's four and five pages, most likely people are not going to read it. And we, um, and we have multiple, multiple page. Yeah. CVs in front of us. So again, the differentiator to you, I mean, and how many years, I should have asked you that. How many years have you been working in the optometric industry? Oh God, I started in 92, which is probably well before some of these kids are in college or in optometry school. So this is going on 29 years now. So you have literally seen hundreds of CVs in your days because you're responsible for staffing doctors in 29 locations 29 locations 29 locations how many doctors did you have working in in your organization that you you're responsible probably close to 75 to 80 if not more so and that's just in one snapshot of your resume when you add in the others that you yeah right Right. there's a you know literally hundreds of cvs so so safe to say you're well versed and taking a look at these and identifying who's going to be the right candidate for you. But the cover mm-hmm. letters really made a difference for you. It stands out. It just it really sells the person. So so I'm going to backpedal just a little bit because you, you were talking about clean sight lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so formatting is important to this. Formatting is huge. You know, you need to take the time to really look at it. And I don't mean looking at it on a computer screen. I mean, take the time, print it off, and see how is it going to look when someone prints it off and hands it. And Because and a lot of people will print off these CVs to look at. And that's important because just the other day, uh, I had a client who sent me a document. And I tried to print it off for the phone, before our phone call, and it was printing. I couldn't read it the way it was printing. Mm-hmm. Just was It was formatting differently. So on the call, you know, they had to send, they had to reformat it on their end to get it, me to be able to get it to print properly here. Right. And again, so you need to make sure that it may look one way on your computer, but the recipient that's on the other end of the email, it could it it may print differently over there if you don't print it out yourself to see how it's set. In yeah, there. and the format will change even from if you do a Word doc, which is what you're going to be typing in most likely, and maybe you save it to a PDF. It formats differently. So if you're going to send them the PDF, you want to make sure that you have PDF'd it and then print it to see how it's going to look when it gets to them. So do you feel it's important to PDF and protect that Word doc? Because I'll tell you, I get a lot of CVs sent to me that are in Word doc form. And I think, wow, 
I wouldn't do this myself, but somebody could really delete information off that or, you know, and, and, and change things. I wouldn't think many people would, but it's a th- possibility. Yeah, and it is a possibility. And I don't think so much they would maybe do it intentionally, but I know just based on my experience when doing Word docs and all that, you know, I'm the type that likes to use a mouse. I don't, I can't use the mouse that's built into the computer. I, I don't like that little thumb pad or whatever it's classified as. I want a physical mouse. But I know there'll be times I'll be typing on a Word doc and I might forget that my thumb pad, that thumb mouse is activated and I'll hit something and delete it. Okay. And I think that's maybe where it could happen. So they might not do it intentionally. They just might accidentally because it's in a Word doc and they go to do something and it deletes something. Um, but I do think it just, once you PDF it as well, it just looks more professional. It looks, I don't know what it is about transforming from a Word doc to a, a PDF, but it just looks a lot nicer as well. It's like so, the background gets sharper and the print just A little looks bit crisper. crisper. So, yeah, yeah crisper exactly. Is exactly what yep, exactly. So you do recommend PDF and you also mm-hmm. PDF your cover letter as well. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I would use, you know, try to use the same font. You want it to look as universal as you can. And, and folks, don't try to be cute with your fonts. Don't try to, you know, make it look cursive and fun and... And what what was the word I heard the other I liked I thought the, and whimsical you don't know just make it look professional remember you are now going in for a professional job you're looking for a, a career and and a and a practice that is going to pay you very well you know whimsical is not what you want you want to look professional you know you want it to look uh, above everybody else's so that brings up another question some of these CVs that I printed off for us to look at today some of them had like green color the name was highlighted in green some were yellow and again is that is that the whimsical you think traditional black and white i think traditional black and white mainly because a lot of people will print these off and most people probably won't print it off in color it'll come out in black and white and sometimes depending on what color you're using might not print off very well um in black and white it might either be too faded or what so i think traditional black and white the crisp clean look is the way to go and I would also say, you know, kind of in that reviewing and looking to see, you know, what is your email address? Is it a professional address? We, we've we talked about when we do our human resource class, was it pole dancer yeah. something? And, you know, yeah, that's cute, but it's not professional. You know, your personality, you want your personality to shine. Let it shine when you're talking to the people. Be energetic. That's when you want your personality to shine, not when it's on a piece of paper. So building your CV could be fun. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. And it should be fun. It should be fun. Especially for you second, third, and fourth year students that are out there that are now preparing to enter the workplace. I would think it would be a good idea for maybe three, four, five people to get together one evening, enjoy it, but sit down and write your CVs together and then hand them to the left. You know, pass your computer to the left. Everybody read it and go, well, you left this off. Hey, Ashton, you forgot this. Hey, Taylor, you forgot that. Hey, Megan, what about this? You left this up. You know, you guys could all be able to figure out exactly, you know, because you've all been in practice in school together. You're going to remember that, oh, you were an ambassador. You were a representative here. You went to this event, you know, that you left off of here and participated and assisted in. Because I do think the CV should show not only your education, but also involvement in community, what you did while you were in school mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I, I think people look to see, are you going to get involved? Because 
when you're in private practice, you know, it's not just hanging your shingle on the door anymore. You know, when you go to work for a doctor, you're not going to be able to ride their coattails. You're going to have to get out, get involved, and, and, and show that you're part of the community, that you've done those things and done leadership roles, um, that you get involved and take pride in what, you know, what you've done uh, during the school years. So I do think it's very important to list all those activities. And if you've been in charge of any organization, it shows your leadership. It's also, you know, into that point with the with the marketing and networking yourself, you know, that's key because I know when talking to our clients and they say, Rick, what should I be looking for in a candidate? I always say somebody who's energetic, somebody who's a good communicator, somebody who's involved in, you know, wants to get involved in the community because they have to be able to network themselves to be able to attract their own patient base. Even yes, there's enough patients in this practice to make that new new associate busy, but you need to be willing to go to a school and teach the dissection and anatomy of an eyeball to the fifth, sixth grade biology class. Get your name known. You know, do those fun things. And yes, that's what people want to hear. Now, it might be different in a chain location or commercial location. Because their marketing department is under the gun right. to fill those appointment books. But in a private practice, it's really what you can do for that doctor, that practice in the community and become more involved. And I also think, too, with the private practice, they're going to want to see, are you specializing in something? You know, what have you done, whether it's myopia management, whether it's you know, dry eyes. What have, what have you delved into? Um, probably a little bit more maybe than the chains. I mean, don't, mm-hmm. the chains are starting to kind of head in that direction. But really for private practice, they're going to want to see that that education or that interest that sets you away f- or apart from everybody else too. And that, and that would go back to, again, the cover letter because just about every optometrist takes when in school, they take anatomy one, two, basic pathology ocular anatomy, binocular vision, medical pathology, and so on. Mm -hmm. Everybody right now listening to this just went, yep, we took it. So is that really relevant to list that out? Because if you've earned the title optometrist, you've had that class. Right. Yeah. You know, listing what your classes you took in in undergrad school, I don't think is very important. You know, they want to see that you obviously graduated um, it kind of goes along with the GPA. You know, probably in the in undergrad, they, they realize that you graduated. They don't really care if you were top of your class or bottom of your class in undergrad. It's what you did in optometry school. How did you and what did you achieve through optometry school? So at what what part of their education should be included in their CV? College on up. College undergrad on up. on up. Yeah. Okay. Because everybody, let's be honest, everybody's going to take the same GEs or the same general educational requirements through high school. You know, what 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 did you do in college and then what did you do in optometry school? So include clubs, activities in, col- in, in your undergrad of course. as well as what you've done in optometry school. Yes. But it's, it just seems to me like as the more we're having this conversation, the more I keep going to the value of the cover letter to win people over. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people put a lot of stock in the cover letter because it, it's an easy, it's, it's, it's a snapshot right then and there. I mean, because they're going to look through, they're going to see what your you know, what your background is. And, and a lot of people's will be very similar. So do you guys at Aquios Advisors help help doctors meet up with doctors in need of optometrists to join their team? Oh, yes. And matter of fact, um, you know, you can either email us directly your uh, CV to info at Aquios 
Com. You can also email it to info at aquiosalliance.com uh, and it will get to us. Or you can actually go to our website, uh, which is www.aquios.com. Go to the service tab and scroll down and you'll find that there's a, a little section there to help yourself. So, and you can upload your CV in that. But yeah, there's several different ways to get us their information. And, and I'll tell you, we've got clients all over the United States looking for doctors. Mm -hmm. And so when people tell you, oh, you're only going to be able to come out of school and that optometry, the, it's it's oversaturated. No, it's not. So I assume Aquios Advisors takes a cut of what they're going to get paid in their annual fee, what their annual salary will be, like a 10% cut? No, I don't even wish because it's not right. Because there um, are companies out there that do that. Oh, there's a don't. lot of headhunting co companies out there that will do that. We do it for free. We truly want to see the optometrist succeed, whether it's a first year right out of college or whether they've been in it for 15 years and looking to change careers. Um, we want them to be successful. So, no, we we do it all free of charge. We We try to... Mirror you up with with clients, like I said, we have them all over the country. You mentioned Juneau, Alaska. We go from Alaska all the way down to Florida. We also go all the way up to. I know we've got clients in Connecticut looking for uh, people, and all the way out in Nevada. So, I mean, honestly, it is all over the United States. People are looking. I think you mentioned earlier. I think there's twenty, at least twenty five states for sure, with multiple doctors in each location. Yeah. So. Another quick question on the CV. I see, you know, some of these CVs had GPAs listed, some didn't. Mm -hmm. There's an old adage. You know what they call the doctor who graduated top of his class? Doctor. What do they call the doctor who graduates bottom of the class? Doctor. What are your thoughts on the GPA? In undergrad, I don't think you need to have it. I'm not. A, to me, it doesn't matter if if you want to put it on your uh, for optometry school and maybe separate yourself a little bit. But honestly, most of the clients we talk to don't don't even tell us, "Hey, I, I need a I need a grad that has a three point nine GPA." They want to make sure that you you know you have a passion for what you do, and that's obviously shows once you get the the diploma. I, I could care less at the GPA at that point. As far as job opportunities or positions open, your three bullet points or three takeaways. What are three things that somebody in their second or third year when should they should they start shopping their CV today or wait till their fourth year? And what should they do to really differentiate themselves to the people that they are targeting? They should start writing their CV right away. Okay. I mean, at least at the end, by the end of their second year, when they when they um, you know start to formulate what they want to do. I think they shop it when they go and start looking for you know where they're going to do their, their externships. externships. So they're already shopping it then. So they, that's where they should probably start writing it at the end of that second. But it's going to be work in progress. And and yeah. I will tell you, save it to your desktop, save it to a thumb drive. You know, make sure you always have a copy because you're always going to be updating it. So I think you start formulating it when you're at, towards the end of your second year. Make sure it's clean. Make sure it's crisp. Make sure when you put a, an email address, a phone number, make sure that they can find it. Make sure it's easy to see. I might even say make your email address a little bit bolder than your your address and your, your phone number because I think most people are going to contact you through email. Okay. And make sure your email address is professional. So let, let, let me tell you, we, we've worked with clients that are in there. They're, they're more mature 
portion of their career, some mm-hmm. north of 70 years young. Mm-hmm. So if you were to target that practice as, a, as an office that you wanted a job with, yeah, you might email your CV, but would it be a good idea to, A, drop one off, a physical one, drop one off and shake the hand of that doctor and make that impression, or at least mail it and follow up with a visit? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. If you're in the area and, you know, whether it's back in your hometown or back close to your hometown, you know, you're going home. Uh, and again, you know, your second year, I think it's not till your fourth year that you might not get to go home anymore. You start to realize what it's like uh, that you don't get the holidays quite off like you used to. But I think if you're going back, it's not a bad thing to say, hey, I'm a third year. Here's my CV. I'm getting towards this. And then maybe if you do go home over Christmas, uh, make a point to, you know, if you have to drive two hours to do it, take the time. It shows initiative. But I definitely think it uh, it is worth a trip out to shake that person's hand, introduce yourself, hand them that CV. If nothing else, then definitely put it in the mail because it gives them a hard copy and shows, again, a little bit of initiative. Let's be honest. Some people in their 60s and 70s, they like a little bit of old school. So small town versus big city. I understand as a young graduate or or even you know a couple years out the big city is is nice. Um, I used to always joke because I've lived in probably most of the big city. I've lived in Philly, I've lived in Atlanta, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, L.A. And I always said I was a small town boy trying to make it in the big bad city. So I get the appeal. There's a lot to do, but boy, you can find some great jobs and 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 really a great career and a great livelihood in some of the smaller cities. You know, you might maybe you have to drive two or three hours to a, a Kansas City, a Chicago, a Dallas, whatever the case may be. But boy, you get out in those small markets and you become the this is what I always say, become the mayor of the town. You shake the hands and kiss the babies. And there's a lot of big time practices in those small communities that people live a great quality of life. And, and, and to, to our conversation a little earlier during this was, you know, being involved in the community, you mm-hmm. know, uh, concussion management. You go to a town like McCook, Nebraska, and you talk to the athletic director, activities director and say, hey, I want to be that. I want to be the team optometrist. I want to come and do concussion protocol before the season starts. So if something does happen, the tests are all there. Mm-hmm. Now we can see how the kids are doing. You take mm-hmm. care of those kids and you you t- you get the families right you know? um, and, and yeah you really can and I think uh, it, it, even in the big cities and again you can you can do that in the big cities it's just I think a lot of times we look at the big cities thinking they're oh that's where we're going to make the money and all the big opportunities you got to realize that's where all the competition is too you know that there's a lot of small areas that don't get serviced by. Yeah by that and they have to drive into the big cities and you get out there and you start commit and maybe it's not just that town it's that it's the counties the three the four counties that are neighboring that you that you become um the go-to person i think when you look at 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 the time to do it i i think you always want it to be work in progress i think you know you asked me the key bullets and the key takeaways if i was starting up again start it when when you're in that end of that second year uh, do a cover letter and make sure that it's crisp and clean. Don't use small fonts. Make it so it's it's a 12, 11 or a 12 font. It doesn't have to be five pages long. Um, and if you're if you're an experienced person and you've you've worked in a lot of different places, 
you know, maybe only go back 10 years. Um, you don't have to go back all the way to the beginning. You'll put what school when you graduated, but maybe with your, your jobs, you only go back about 10 years. Because again, when you have to look at three or four pages of it, it all gets to running together. And, and a lot of people just, they stop after page two, to be honest. So again, and if you'd like us to look over your CV, feel free to send it to us at info at aquiosalliance.com or info at aquios.com. That's A-C-Q-U-I-O-S. Or also go to our website, aquios.com. Go to services, scroll down, and you can upload your CV to us. And we'll be happy to review it and get you in touch with some of our clients that are looking for positions to be filled and help you get started on the right foot. Remember, your CV, your first impression. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Thrive With Confidence. We look forward to delivering more to you in the coming weeks.